Shalom, balance, paradise, righteousness, back again, and we have a special guest in the building. The one and only world-renowned author and lecturer, um, Curtis Cost, the author of Vaccines Are Dangerous, first published in way back in 1992. I know a lot of the listeners aren't wasn't even born at that time. <laughs> I can remember that time, that year very well. Um, recall stumbling upon the book myself, I think it was early thousands, possibly 2003. And now fast forward, it's 2020, and we have Curtis on the uh, the broadcast. Welcome. Thank you, it's, it's a real pleasure. Thank you for giving me the, the opportunity to be on your show. I greatly appreciate it. Honors, honors. The, um, the whole reason for the broadcast and for bringing you on is to share the information. <clears throat> Each one teach 12 is the mantra. So it's all about putting the information out, allowing people to digest, ingest it, research it, um, and come up with their own idea and trustfully the right idea of how to sort of maneuver through life. So Curtis, tell us a little bit about your journey. How did you get to, um, to, to first of all, write the book? I mean, how did all that sort of start? Sure. Um, quite by accident, I was doing research on my uh, first book, which dealt with the subject of HIV and AIDS. And uh, in the process of doing that, I came across one book uh, was called AIDS End of Civilization by William Campbell Douglas. And he had a chapter in his book on vaccines. And um, he, in that chapter, he was talking about the dangers of vaccines and how ineffective they were. And I remember I was shocked by that because at that point in time, like the average person, I thought vaccines that saved the world and uh, they were the greatest thing that's uh, ever happened to America. And uh, so it really, caught me by surprise that he would say that in this chapter. But um, a short while later, I found myself um, at a retreat in Martha's Vineyard. And one of the vendors there had two books on vaccines and the dangers of vaccines and the ineffectiveness of vaccines. Now we have gone from a chapter of the book to two whole books. And I was, uh, I was beside myself, like, what the heck is going on? So uh, I decided to buy the books, of course, and I read them and I was stunned in what I was uncovering, but I was still very, very skeptical because, you know, we, I was growing up like most people believe in, in, in the doctors and they're super smart and everything and believe in the medical establishment. And uh, so this was uh, a, a major a monumental emotional hurdle to get over. And I think it's the same thing for many people. It's not just the, uh, the facts uh, and the science is more of the emotional hurdle. So I went on a mad search to read everything I could on the subject and I read lots of books. I read a lot of books that were out of print. I spent countless hours in uh, medical libraries reading through the uh, mainstream medical journals like Lancet and yes. New England Journal of Medicine and so forth. Now, Curtis, just, just to give some contextuality in what you're talking about, 
we're talking of a time when we're talking pre-internet aren't we oh definitely pre-internet <laughs> <laughs> no i i did research the old-fashioned way you know going through the uh uh the, the stacks of, and, and the libraries and going through all the uh actual journal guides that will lead you to the journals and you have to go find them on the shelves and hopefully somebody else doesn't have it or had, or it's in the back room someplace about to be shelved but even when you find what you want uh you still so it, was, it was a lot of work and even going to uh the microfiche and uh, digging up uh medical journal uh reports that yes. were no longer in, in, in print mm-hmm. uh, or in paper format and so that was a long, hard route to go. But now people got it so easy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's like almost no excuse. Anything you want to know, just do a Google search. <laughs> uh, most part. And Very so true. I reached a point in my research that I could no longer defend vaccines on any level. I just the information was just so overwhelming about how dangerous they were on so many different levels, how ineffective they were, and how unnecessary they were. And I saw it as my mission to take this uh, really complicated technical information and put into a format that the average person could readily understand uh, because a lot of people are very intimidated by anything uh, of a medical nature any medical scientific anything scares them and uh, fortunately I'm a trained researcher I mean I went to some really good schools and uh, learned some techniques and research so in the black community I realized there was a huge information gap because all the books up until that time that have been written criticizing vaccines have all been written by people who aren't black. I was the first, and to my knowledge, I'm still the first, and I think only African American who's actually published a book critical of vaccines. And so my mission was to get the information out. And um, so I spent like two years of my life uh, doing additional research and writing the book. And then I went about promoting it as best I could in the black community. I mean, radio shows and cable shows and uh, all types of uh, interviews, newspapers, magazines, especially in the black community. Securities. Forums and uh, lectures and things of that nature. Yes. So two questions based based off that. How how was you received within the black community coming with such information? um such you know i guess out the box information at such such a, a long period ago so you know we're talking 90s yep 1990s so you know at that time it was i guess from what i could see outside looking in um at that time it was quite a revolutionary movement there wasn't too much talk about anything necessarily to do with vaccinations or anything scientifically in that respect it was more about getting to know who you were as a person and you know a revolutionary sort of mindset kind of thing so how was you received within the black community sure i mean of course there were those who thought i was crazy and very skeptical um but I would say I probably got more support from the black community back then than I, than I get now. Um, it also, I think we need to put certain things into uh, context. Back then, um, there was a phenomena of the black uh, street book vendors. So a lot of books were coming out. And these were more of the scholarly type, the Dr. Benz, the Dr. Clarks, and, and other scholars, uh, Ivan Van Sertimer, and 
gentleman was selling them on the streets all over the city and, and in other cities around the country. There was a lot uh, of black old bookstores all across the country. So that uh, created a route for me to uh, get my books out there to people. And uh, there was a lot more black radio stations out there, radio talk shows. Uh, and one of the big ones was Gary Berg. And there was lots of them. He, he came, he was gone for a while, but he's come back. A lot of them, and a lot of them are gone now. And so uh, when people get a chance to sit down, and just hear me talk on a radio show or something, it starts to sink in. And the process of speaking, something that I say typically will cause a light to go off in, in, in some people's heads and uh, motivate them to want to do more research. Uh, but yes, I mean, I had people thought I was, said I was crazy and all kinds of stuff, but they wouldn't want to debate me because they know they would lose. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, I mean, the facts are the facts. I mean, I try to stay on the side of truth yeah. as best as I can. And uh, a lot of people, that simple truth, that simple fact or truth, they don't do. I mean, they want to argue from a state of emotions mm. or impressions uh, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, you can't bring that into a court of law. You got, you, I mean, we're talking about life and death. You got to have something more solid than your impression. That's Indeed. what I was operating on. Yeah. Uh, I was under the impression vaccines were good. The doctors wouldn't lie that they, every, all of them are super smart and 100% honest. And uh, well, I learned quickly, you can't base critical decisions just on impressions. So uh, it was a mixed bag. I mean, yeah, those, that was crazy. But I would say overall, more black groups back then would invite me to come to speak in different parts of the country than they do now. I mean, I, most of the opportunities I get to speak are uh, uh, other groups, white groups, primarily who pay for my transportation and lodging and 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 my speaker's fee. What do you? Um, what would you put? Black that? groups are not really doing that these days, huh? What would you put that down to, Curtis? What 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 would you think is is? Do you think people aren't valuing that 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 area of information, or is it more sinister, possibly, or which? Well, in all honesty, I'll say one part of it is uh, when the second edition of my book came out in two thousand and ten. Uh, a lot of black media were gone, but there were some very prominent ones. I won't give the names, I don't want to cause conflict. Prominent ones that I approached and uh, to talk about the issues, and they wouldn't let me do it. They wouldn't let me on their shows. There were shows, radio shows and others, black, uh, with Black Coast, who previously let me on, but they wouldn't let me on. There were prominent black leaders who you wouldn't have to think too hard to imagine who I'm talking about. Uh, who I approached about promoting this information, and they wouldn't do it. Uh, they'd say they'd look at it or say it looks good, and then nothing would happen. And deep down, some of those leaderships who own some of the, the black uh, publications and, and have media outlets and have political followings, they are, I hate to say it, uh, in part responsible for the explosion of autism and other things in the black community because. The second edition of my book came out 10 years ago. If they had given me the airtime needed, a lot of our people would have been saved from uh, uh, disaster. I mean, they, they just would have. And their refusal um, cost lives. And I mean, just help destroy families because once a child is severely autistic or have other types of severe problems, 
that family's chance at a normal life is over. And so um, I have to say, I don't always say this often, but I have to say, I do believe some of those, well, in some cases, they're getting money from uh, pharmaceutical companies. That's where you're advertising dollars. Other places, they're getting money in different ways from powerful forces. And I guess for whatever reason, the second edition of my book, uh, which came out in 2010, showed up here, Vaccines for Danger. There were some things in this edition of my book that really scared them, and um, they didn't want to back it. Now, at the same time, my book is filled with endorsements from doctors and scientists, nutritionists, holistic practitioners, uh, scholars, you name it. It's gotten probably more diverse endorsements than um, uh, most other books. But despite that, a lot of the black leadership just uh, wasn't into it, didn't want to support it, didn't want to, uh, they put the black community's uh, health uh, second yes. or, or third. And that's a big part of the problem. To say nothing as the atmosphere of black consciousness has been uh, waning uh, over, over the decades. I mean, there was a high level of consciousness in the 60s and 70s, and yeah. some of that has spilled over to the 80s and lesser still, but some in the 90s with all these black book vendors and people were buying it. They were, they were making a lot of money. Uh, some of the uh, black uh, big distributors of black books, they start build, putting up offices in Manhattan. They made so much money. Uh, I think it was a stupid move because they also had higher expenses too. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, so that whole atmosphere, no more do you see really the, uh, the black scholarly books or, or the few vendors that are out there uh, you don't really see that. You see more trash novel type of books and things like My Man Did Me Wrong and uh, My Pimp, the boy, My Boyfriend Who's a Pimp and yeah. Crap. I mean, Black Women Ain't Crap. You know, those type of themes. That's what you see on the uh, on the book stands for the vendors that are still out there. Most of the Black bookstores shut down because more people are interested in trash and serious uh, uh, scholarship that could save their lives and kids and help them have a better grounding and good consciousness. So I think uh, it's the multiplicity of it. And the music now, uh, good God, if you compare the music <laughs> now with what, what we had back then with Earth, Wind & Fire, if you listen to the Earth, Wind & Fire records, they were implanting advanced messages. They were oh, talking yes. ancient Egypt, even with the imagery and the costumes yes. and the pyramids on the cover of their uh, one of their albums and those things. Serpentine Same energy. Wonder. Yes. They, if you look a lot at the black music in the 60s and 70s, it was, uh, they were communicating on several levels. One, if you listen closer to the words, there were deep meanings behind those words. Yes. As you listen to the music itself, it was designed to be uplifting spiritually. And, and so without words, they were building up our spiritual energy, building up our, our kind of, it's like food. Yes. In fact, I, I, I've, I've labeled it vitamin M. Uh, and a part of our health and nutrition and stability depends on music i call yes. that vitamin m like and it. all kinds of studies have been done on music showing that um uh when you look at water molecules uh you can see changes in water molecules so really great music you know jazz and stuff you see beautiful crystal images of water but when you throw on something like punk rock or some other crazy loud yeah. music the, the the images in the water change dramatically. And, you know, they would freeze water and take microfilm, uh, microscope to film it. And, you know, it's amazing how water changes based on the vibrations. So frequency uh, or combination of frequencies are critical. They're foundation of everything. And the powers that be uh, realize what some uh, 
of our great musical masters were doing, and that's why they perverted it. So most of the kids are growing up to, it's loud, obnoxious, it's cursing, it's just a bunch of words thrown together that have no higher political, philosophical meaning, nothing. And uh, and then we wonder why our kids are so crazy. They, they've never heard Stevie Wonder. They've never heard Earth, Wind & Fire or Fifth Dimension or John Coltrane. You know, I did an experiment once. I, um, I was teaching and um, I decided to give my, my students uh, an afternoon off and, and just let them uh, talk quietly and give them crayons and paper and they could draw. And um, I was doing that time, I was playing some soft Brazilian jazz music. Mm-hmm. And um, the class was very calm and everything. I, I never forget one girl, white girl, blonde hair, blue eyes, she yelled out, oh my goodness. Oh, what? And I'm like, well, what's wrong? And she said, she showed me a picture of uh, some palm trees swaying in the wind. I said, well, that's beautiful. What's wrong with that? So I was to trying to draw palm trees. I was trying to draw pa- uh, pine trees. <laughs> the harmonic frequencies. Yes, yes. I wish I had taken a picture. We there was no iPhones back then, but I wish I had taken a picture of that. It was, and even um, uh, I remember a family member, um, teenage family member. Um, I was just into the hip hop and all this. I, I got them to listen to some uh, Stevie Wonder. She just loved it. She didn't want more Stevie Wonder. She's never heard those kind of the melodies before, and so. As you say, the melodies, the tones, the frequencies yeah. totally different. It's, was it 44, 444 hertz? Or I something? forgot the number, but yeah, there's certain frequencies yeah. that are elevating and make you feel positive and energetic, and the other frequencies make you feel depressed and, and violent and, you know, all kinds of stuff. Uh, so they know how to mess with us through frequencies, and they, they know how to do that with our music. That's why uh, parents from the uh, back then need to let, expose their kids to the music we wholesome. Need to listen to. Yeah. yeah. Wholesome, uh, good music, yeah. traditional. Yeah, take a rope and tie them down to a chair for a little bit and let them <laughs> listen to good music of John Coltrane and, and others. Yes. Uh, they, need, they need that um, because we had such a rich musical tradition mm-hmm. that we, that's been built upon for many, many years. And these kids have been cut off from that rich tradition where instead of building on it, like most cultures, they build on their musical traditions. We've been cut off, and something alien has been stuck in there. And we think our kids think it's cool, when it just makes them uh, uh, not operate on their higher frequencies. Well, which you well based upon me obviously bringing you on to the to the um, to the broadcast would be around vaccinations. But I think, yeah. as we're touching on now, I think that plays a part into what you're saying. I think, um, and you can confirm or you know say yeah. otherwise a lot of these children are heavily vaccinated they're eating gmo foods heavily soy based they're listening to non-natural music they're you know constantly on some form of electronic device pumping out radiation to them you know they're, they're, they're it, it's all designed to and then when they go to the fooling system the fooling system creates useful idiots that regurgitate mm-hmm. information and falls in line to quote-unquote customs and norms which have been created for them so there's no more critical thinking and i think the key thing is when they're young getting hit with so many damn vaccinations before you know before they've left the um the, the hospital yes uh well you're right it, it's it, it, it's so bad that if someone asks my opinion 
I could not recommend giving birth in a hospital um, because they will, I mean, I've heard all kinds of reports of them giving kids uh, supposed vitamin K shots, which they aren't, it's a toxic co uh, cocktail, and um, other vaccines, sometimes pressuring the parents to agree to them, other times um, just doing it with the parents' knowledge. Um, I just could not, in good conscience, if anybody wanted my opinion, I would not have uh, see a, have a childbirth done in, in a hospital. Uh, it's better to learn how to uh, home birth, get a doula to work with. This is something they've been doing for thousands of years. In fact, this is the only way. This whole idea of uh, you gotta go to a hospital and birth, that's, that's a modern Western phenomenon to make money. I mean, if you look at nature, all other creatures are able to successfully give birth uh, without the assistance of anybody. I mean, chickens give birth, monkeys, pigeons, flies. Yes. Yeah, everybody, all every other species knows how to do it without a, a hospital, except humans. Just like every other species is able to survive and, and thrive oh, yeah. and be healthy and strong without a vaccine. The only ones, so the only ones with need vaccines are humans and domesticated animals. Uh, yeah, I mean, the technology on how to give them a good birth has been around for a long time and people need to hook up with the doulas. And um, I, I just think that it's much safer in, 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 in your home where you have more control. And even doulas, they got all kinds of backup systems mm -hmm. so that things get out of hand, they, they can get you to the emergency room and they make arrangements in advance. And so uh, that's what I recommend because and our children are under attack on a lot of different levels. So they're under attack with all these vaccines and there's a whole movement now to eliminate uh, religious exemptions oh, yes. from vaccines. And several states have already done it, including New York State back uh, June 13th yes. last year. And uh, so there's like 72 different doses of vaccines that are recommended. And um, those things are poison. And the more shots a child gets, the greater harm, potential harm, uh, uh, can result. I think the uh, some studies have shown something like one in 39 kids who get vaccinated who will have a uh, severe uh, reaction. Now, question: How many people would get on the airplane if you knew the risk of the plane crash was one in 38 or one in 39? Uh, I wouldn't. I mean, I would rather take a bus or a boat or whatever if it was one in 39. That kind of a risk. Mm -hmm. But. Um, yeah, uh, it, it's dangerous. I mean, things, I mean, they're toxic cocktails made up of mercury, which is a toxic heavy metal, the most toxic substance after uh, uranium, um, formaldehyde, uh, you name it, genetically engineered organisms, uh, monkey kidneys, aborted fetuses, that's, yes. yes, dead babies. Yes. Get into that, please. Over. Please yeah. do get into that in some more detail because I've, I've, I've mentioned this to people before. I have mentioned it on other broadcasts previously, but please give us some more detail about that because I, I know recently there has been some changes in regards to how they label it. So there's new wording for these human yes. organs and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's like very ghoulish. I mean, you think about the mentality necessary to even think about taking parts from a, an aborted fetus and then injecting some of that into someone's newborn baby. I, I mean, that's a diabolical mentality to even think about that. Um, I mean, if you try to visualize if I have a, uh, a board meeting and somebody uh, who 
one of the scientists walks in and says, look, this is what we want to do with this uh, vaccine. We want to put, among other things, mercury and formaldehyde and dead babies in the vaccine. Why wasn't that person fired on the spot? Why wasn't that person, even worse, uh, uh, placed in a mental institution? I mean, it says a lot about the board of directors who obviously, yes. oh, that's a like a good idea. Dead babies into uh, vaccines and giving to newborn infants. Yeah, good idea. Let's let's go with it. What do you think? What do you think? Playing righteous advocate. Let's just play righteous advocate, not devil's okay. advocate. Mm-hmm. So the scientists made this concoction, this this demonic concoction of mm-hmm. all kind of stuff. And they took it to the board, but they relabeled it and they didn't tell the board anything. So only the scientists knew at the point of inception and then bringing it to the board. And then maybe the board found that a bit later on in the in in the um, the equation. Well, I mean, there's always we, we could also engage in wishful thinking, <laughs> but uh, look, a board of directors investing. Uh, millions and possibly even hundreds of millions of dollars into a formulation, uh, there's no way they're not going to have a clear understanding of what uh, what's going on. Um, and also, this is not like something that just started yesterday. This has been going on for many, many years. A lot of different companies are engaged in it. It's in the public records. Uh, anti-vaccine groups have been complaining about it. There's no way they did not know. There's like uh, uh, a lot of people want to give doctors a break. Well, you know, they probably just don't know. I bet. Well, that's their job to know. They are charging, you know, hundreds of dollars for a few minutes of their time. And they're coming off like they're experts on vaccine and giving advice. If you're going to give advice, uh, give your professional opinion, you have a responsibility to be up to date on the pros and cons of a vaccine. The fact is, we know uh, most doctors don't know as, as much as the typical housewife who's been doing research on this knows about vaccines. They're just not taught about this uh, in, in medical school. In fact, there's lots of uh, doctors who've admitted this on camera. Uh, the only thing they were taught really was uh, what vaccines should be taken and, and what time frame they should be taken. They were not given in-depth uh, understanding of what's in a vaccine and what are the risks uh, of vaccines. And, and there just really aren't. But I don't like giving those types of people an out. I can give an out for a, a husband or wife who really wants to vaccinate their child and they really haven't read anything. But at the same time, they're not holding themselves up as experts and they're not charging hundreds of dollars for a visit. These doctors are. So while I do believe some of them, I know for a fact some of them really are not acquainted with the details of the dangers, they should be. And uh, if some housewife can do a Google search on, on the measles vaccine to find all the side effects and look up the ingredients, there's nothing stopping these doctors from doing the same thing, especially now in the age of Google. Uh, so I don't, I don't want to give them an out. Those who don't know, uh, shame on you. You should know. Yes. And uh, the ones who do, well, you're you're engaging in, in traumatizing uh, children and killing children and destroying families and so yeah I don't believe in giving them outs not people yeah. at that level I mean it's it's uh, it's interesting that you bring up that uh, that um, that that point because people and then they'll still do it even though you just eloquently laid out you know that point 
because you don't have a, steth a stethoscope and you don't have a white coat and you're not a doctor and you haven't subjected yourself to seven plus years of university and put yourself in all kind of debts, the information that you bring forth means nothing because you don't have a PhD or a MD or, you know, you're not actually a practicing, air quote, practicing medicine on right. people. It's it's yeah. it's it's the height of lunacy. If if yeah. the facts should be facts, it's, it's as plain and simple as that. If you present information, someone sh should use critical thinking and say, "Okay, this is what you've said. I was thinking of doing this. You've presented this other information. You check it, and based upon the information you check in, you make your own decision based upon that. Not just because you're a doctor, not just because it's your friend, based upon the information you've received and then what you do with said information. Right. I mean, uh, the fact is, the, uh, the other people who know how to read beside doctors. Uh, I mean, yeah, they. it's true that doctors have created their own language to uh, keep a lot of people out. and uh, But, you know, that can be overcome. When I was in the medical libraries, reading those technical uh, journals, I would have a medical or maybe more than one uh, uh, dictionary right there. So I could look up what those words meant. Anybody could do that. A child could do that. Um, and I was taught and I went to some top schools that um, what matters is the uh, is your ability to back up whatever you say with references. So if I'm quoting something out of the New England Journal of Medicine, so if I say X, Y, Z, and I can show that this came right from the New Journal of Medicine, that should be sufficient. Uh, and if I'm able to back uh, those type of facts up with uh, logical reasoning, that should be sufficient. That's the way I was taught uh, in school. So uh, it doesn't really matter your degree. I mean, it helps. So it means I mean, you have a certain level of credibility, but that doesn't mean other people who thoroughly reference uh, their assertions should not be taken seriously. I mean, that, that's just, it's ludicrous. And um, so many people now, I tell them, like, you know, I'm not a doctor. I always, they still want to call me doctor because the level of information that um, I put out there, you know, they just, uh, the people's doctor, I mean, I, I'm not a doctor, I'm not claiming to be a doctor at all, but they just have that level of respect when they read my book or I've heard me on the radio or, or so forth. And in fact, um, I can almost say that uh, I, I, I'm entitled, maybe, or sort of, uh, to status of a PhD. And why do I say that? I say this humbly, though, but among the people who endorsed my uh, book was um, Dr. Leonard Jeffries, a renowned yes. scholar in our community. And mm -hmm. among the things he said, which shocked me, that my book followed the, the uh, best traditions of uh, Chancellor Williams, Dr. Ben, Dr. Clark. I'm like, oh my God, I never imagined that anyone would compare me to these renowned scholars. Yes. Legends. Uh, but, and if anybody was qualified to make that assessment, it would have been uh, Dr. Jeffrey. So I guess technically my book is my uh, PhD dissertation. <laughs> uh, I mean, what can I tell you? Definitely. Uh, Actually, Jeffrey sort of inadvertently gave me my uh, PhD, but I'm uh, sort of joking about about that. I mean, I'm not a PhD. I'm not going to create any illusions. A lot of people appreciate my book. I'm happy with that. 
So, but since we, we drifted to that area, I figured I just might as well. <laughs> no, it, it, it's right. It's right. And also, if you think about it, you've invested within you in yourself to gain the knowledge you have over possibly a more lengthy period of time, haven't incurred the level of debts that you've incurred, but yet can, you know, present and, and bring forth, you know, correct and, um, righteous information relating to as i say just you've highlighted as a very simple and common fact that for thousands of years potentially however whatever people's mindset is in regards to how old man's been on walking the face of this earth we've been producing babies and and walking the face of this earth for quite some period of time it's only the last when did vaccination start isn't it the last hundred years curtis yeah roughly i mean the the first vaccines uh uh started with a man by the name of edward jenner with the smallpox vaccine which was a disaster and killed a lot of people um but yeah so about a hundred years ago i remember the exact day 1800s or something edward jenner's uh, smallpox vaccine so i mean just just uh, using that logic what has happened in a hundred years which would denote that we need all to ramp up and steadily ramp up this vaccination process and then it's not even take out the fact that they're putting in monkey dna and and aborted baby fetuses and all that kind of stuff let's just look at the fact that you know if we didn't know that we're told that they're giving us vaccinations to help us, our immune system, fight against certain diseases. A small quantity is supposed to be within these um, vaccinations. And then our immune system is supposed to recognize that, create antibodies. And then if that same event happens again, it's prepared, isn't it? This is the, this is the, the quote unquote science or the theory but wouldn't the same rules apply if your body came into contact with that said virus or disease? Well, virus, I guess. Naturally, wouldn't your, wouldn't your immune system do the same thing? You're, you're thinking. They don't expect the average person <laughs> to think. I mean, it's like, oh, God forgot to uh, include a, an, an automatic needle injection thing to eject you for every day. There are thousands of viruses, of, well, if you believe the viral theory, uh, out there. So, but the only ones that you need a vaccine for are the ones that they're able to produce and make money off of. Uh, there is a, a tremendous rationale or need for the vaccines, and that's these corporations need to make billions and billions of dollars in profit. That's about it. I, I mean, studies show that um, uh, these diseases for which measles, for which uh, vaccines have been developed for against childhood diseases. Uh, those were all declining and declining in dramatic numbers before the vaccine came on the market. In some cases, as much as 90%, some cases more than that. And so diseases were steadily going down before the vaccine came on the market. And that was because of improvements in sanitation and improvements in nutrition. So as they built uh, sewer systems and set up sanitation departments to keep the streets clean and water processing plants to keep the water uh, clean, well, diseases had less opportunity to fester and grow. You know, back in the early 1900s, you had horses all over the way, all over the place, defecating everywhere. So all of that was was, was removed, and uh, and so that helped uh, reduce uh, you know diseases in the environment. And 
they had uh, built up uh, roadways so that more trucks could bring in fresh fruits and vegetables to the city, so people's immune systems became stronger. So these two variables, improvements in sanitation and improvements in nutrition, accounted for declines of these diseases by as much as 90%, in some cases more. Now, you would think they would want to see more of that, better, uh, uh, even more, uh, better improvements in sanitation, better improvements in nutrition, but there's no money in that. The money is in these uh, artificial satanic chemical concoctions. There's probably a sin. I would think that if even it wasn't written down, I guess the, when God was giving the instructions to Moses, I, he probably didn't think of that one. Uh, Thou shall not put dead babies into your children. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that one must have been left out by mistake. <laughs> well, well, it does but, mention something about pharmacia within the, uh, the Torah and Tanakh. So that does touch on modern-day pharmacia pharmaceuticals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's not a sin, it should be a sin uh, to, to put those things into a child's body plus all the other chemical concoctions. So you're talking about people don't care. Like, the lowest form of human life uh, are those who would harm and kill uh, babies and children. Uh, you know, a lot of things can be forgiven uh, or, you, or you can make some allowance for it. Like, I said this before, a bank robber, desperate for money and uh, goes in, robs a bank. Well, you can make some allowances. Even if that person robs a bank and something goes wrong and he ends up shooting and killing someone, you can make some allowances. You deserves jail time and, and appropriate punishment, but you can morally make some, some allowances. You can't make an allowance for some billionaires that want to make a few more billion dollars poisoning millions of kids around the world. There's no allowance. That's, that's pure evil to poison someone's baby that they've carried through uh, you know, the whole process of, of pregnancy and uh, give birth and have their hopes and dreams wrapped around their uh, baby, which is an expression of the, of the parent's love. And for some outsider who wants to make a buck, decides to poison that child, that's pure evil. No allowances, no nothing. Go straight to hell. Uh, no need to even try to plead your case. Just, just go. And, uh yeah, so, yeah, no, I make no allowances for, for them. And uh, so, yeah, they're doing this. It's for profit and agendas. I mean, they've talked about the desire to reduce the world's population. They've been very open about that for many, many years. And uh, when powerful people uh, give speeches, I mean, we need to learn to listen because oh, yeah. they're not just talking off the top of their head. Most times things are carefully thought out and uh, decisions are made by groups of very powerful people, so they're giving heads up to what they're going to do. It's part of their like uh, secret code. They can't just do things. They have to let you know. If you don't do anything to stop them, it's like you're giving them permission to proceed. Um, so uh, the bottom line is that these people are evil. They're committed to just making money. They, they've said they want to reduce the world's population, which I take them very seriously. And when they, say, when they say that, it's not because there's too many people. I just want to clarify to your audience that, I mean, I studied, I majored in political science in school, and I had a concentration in um, world hunger. And I can tell you, uh, there's not too many people in the world. It's a hoax. Mm. You can prove that to yourself, or you can just take out a calculator, run some numbers, and you'll see that every man, woman, and child on planet Earth, all seven plus billion, if that's the right number, you can't trust any numbers they really put out. 
that could fit the state of uh, of Texas. Texas, And yep. have like uh, an acre or more of land for a person. So there's plenty of land uh, on Earth. In fact, uh, anybody who's been in an airplane, I invite you to think back to your trip when you look outside your window. What did you see most of aside from sky and water? Open space. Exactly, simply. It doesn't matter whether you're in, and I've traveled in different parts of the world and across the country. You look down, it's just nothing open space every across the, America. You go to South America, you're going to see mostly open space. Yeah, you see some cities, but the cities are all, the cities are like anthills compared to all the open space outside of those cities. Mm-hmm. And so um, they want us to what they do with people. But they're not, there's plenty of people, plenty of people. I mean, there's plenty of land to support the world's population. To say there's too many people in the world is like saying there's too many ants in the world. Uh, it's ludicrous. And the number one reason why um, there's hunger in different parts of the world is not because there's too many people, it's because economic policies. Yes. In most cases, 1% of the population owns 90% of the land. Uh, and then they grow uh, largely cash crops for export that uh, food for the local people. Mm-hmm. And they also get to control the prices. So you don't even have to um, not make food available. I mean, if the food is uh, too expensive, well, the local people in many cases uh, were unemployed or very low wages can't afford enough food because it's too expensive. And, <laughs> so, and they also o- the problems. They also mm-hmm. overproduce corn as well. That GM corn, they overproduce that because that, that's that's oh, the yeah, main yeah. feed for not to produce, <laughs> not to produce a lot of agricultural products. Uh, you know, I guess just to keep the prices at a certain level. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's plenty of food. That's not a problem. Is that people don't have land. I mean, the corporations bought out their land, cheated people out of their land, and uh, yes, I saw all kinds of stories. I'm sure some others have seen it, where uh, American farmers would. would would have taken out loans loans yeah and then they uh jacked up the interest rates to the point that they couldn't afford to pay their monthly payments anymore mm-hmm. and so inadvertently this their land had been stolen from them and um yeah can, you know poor farmer i mean what do they know about those type of things economics and stuff and banking finance and they know some basic stuff but they're not kept on all the games that these guys can play and so um we don't have a food problem we have uh the problem uh, is really for the elites who want to hold on to their power and wealth yeah. because they realize eventually people are going to start waking up, especially with the internet, and more and more eyes going to be turned towards them. And, you know, the people rise up against them. They can't stop everybody. They, they don't have that kind of power. And so when they say there's too many people in the world, there's too many people in the world for them to continue to maintain their uh, phenomenal, hardly un- almost unimaginable levels of wealth and power. Uh, so it's not about, it's like, I want to remove that from your mind. It's not that there's too many people in the world. Also, nature has its natural checks and balances. You know, of course. Mice produce uh, large numbers of, of baby mice, and uh, th- that's why nature has uh, uh, hawks and, and uh, owls and snakes and things to control the, the uh, uh, rodent population. For every species, there's, there's a predator, and the predator helps control the species from getting out. Even with, and there was a story, a great documentary about um, how wolves changed the course of a river and how this major state park had gotten rid of all the wolves. They killed them a nuisance and everything. But the end result was there was an explosion in the deer population. The deer population eating up all the uh, leaves of the trees and the grass. And that was creating all kinds of problems. And then they reintroduced 
the wolves that help keep the deers under control. And then, you know, all other animals and creatures started coming back. The grass started to grow, leaves on the trees. And all these dynamics end up actually changing the course of a river. And uh, so there are check, natural checks and balances. I mean, for humans, aside from being killed by uh, different wild animals and poisonous animals, uh, there's earthquakes and, and, and uh, storms and all kinds of things. I mean, there, there are periodic droughts and, and things that, that occur that, you know, disease outbreaks. Natural disasters. Right. Nature has its own way of controlling population. Uh, these people, what is assuming people, is only about an issue of power. They have a phenomenal, almost unimaginable power and wealth, and they want to hold on to it. And uh, that's what it's really all about. And as you say, I mean, the, the, you talk about the um, population reduction going way back to, uh, I can't even remember when it was actually uh, erected, but the uh, Georgia Guidestones, which is written in those multiple right. languages. Right. And that did, that's talking about reducing the population from 7 billion plus down to, was it 250, 250 um, thousands? Right. Yeah, I the exact number, but yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we hear our, uh, as the media is painting him, um, Bill Gates as this sort of um, medical magician who's able to create vaccinations for for viruses and bio this and bio that so and he's making statements and going on television talking about he wants seven billion people to be vaccinated but yet the statistics are saying that there's or the stats that they say is that there's seven point five billion people on the planet so why would he want to <laughs> vaccinate 7 billion and leave out this 500,000 which lines up with what the Georgia Guidestones is talking about having that equal number of people to make the earth balanced out it's people really need to sort of listen to what he's saying and why is he jumped from tech now to vaccine, the vaccination oh, game? Let's be mind, uh, Bill Gates is not a doctor, he's not a scientist and he's not elected official so there's no checks and balances on him that there's no regulations on him so he can say whatever he wants no matter how unqualified it is i uh did an interview recently with um bobby kennedy and he and uh, the interview he was talking at some point about bill gates program a uh, vaccine program in africa and india and what he described was absolutely frightening i, I mean unimaginable i mean uh, he pointed out how uh, Bill Gates has been using vaccines like the D DPT vaccine uh, in Africa, even though it's banned uh, in the United States, the oral polio vaccine, even though it's banned in the United States, using it all over uh, Africa. And uh, the end result has been a lot of sicknesses and deaths and things. And uh, it was a fascinating uh, interview. And he talked about the uh, things being done in um in india and, and all the harm his vaccine campaign has they're caused, suing him uh, right in, in india huh they're suing india suing the gates foundation aren't they yeah i don't remember the details but i believe they are suing or taking legal action against the gates foundation i mean we're talking about i mean you heard all kinds of stories of kids being uh, crippled from the vaccine killed and even worse uh mr kennedy revealed that uh Gates, they wouldn't even do anything to help the families of uh, the children who, who were injured. 
So you put out something that you lead the people to believe is going to help them. The child dies or is very sick. And you, with all this money, you're throwing it all over the place, would not do anything to help people who were injured by your vaccine. Now, I'm going by what Mr. Kennedy said, but I know Mr. Kennedy is a brilliant uh, researcher. And when he says something, he's got the references to back it up. But I was shocked. And uh, no, I would not recommend anyone uh, blindly taking uh, a Bill Gates vaccine. I mean, this particular vaccine uh, has a very bad track record. I mean, because it's, it's based on a, uh, on, on, it's a on the strain of the coronavirus. And in the past, when they've tried to develop uh, coronavirus uh, vaccines, they failed. I mean, the uh, animals, they would give the vaccine, they would all get sick, they would die. Um, in some cases, they would go ahead and still try it out on uh, humans, such as in the Philippines. And uh, um, I believe they gave it to hundreds of thousands of children in the Philippines. And, they all got sick and something like 600, 600 of them died. Um, yeah, it has a very bad track record. So we got a vaccine that's been known to not work and be very harmful and even deadly. And they want to skip the animal trials. Now the animal tr trials would be the first indication of, uh, of a problem. <laughs> exactly. But, but since they know the animals all died before, they don't want to do that. So no animal trials. And they want to rush it to market. Yeah. Now, even when they go through the normal process uh, of the checks and balances for a vaccine, which they don't go through all the necessary steps, but when they go through most of the steps, uh, the vaccine is still killed and crippled. <laughs> um, uh, and, and as I said, they don't go through all the, the most two other things that are most critical that are not done in testing vaccines for safety and effectiveness. They don't do double blind uh, uh, testing, that is, give one group of kids uh, the vaccine, another group, they don't give a vaccine. They don't tell the doctors or the kids who's got what, and then they watch what happens over time. Yeah. Double blind testing is important. It's the only way to really know if the vaccine is really working or if the vaccine is uh, causing excess harm. They don't want to do that because they know what the result is going to be. The result is going to be all the unvaccinated kids are going to be super healthy and all exactly. the vaccinated kids are going to have all kinds of problems. Yeah, I've seen that for years because uh, I would meet lots of parents where I would give lectures and uh, they would tell me the same thing. No matter where I was in the country, they would tell me that their kids were um, perfectly healthy and they were so grateful. The kids rarely even got sick. They were grateful to me because they, they chose not to vaccinate their kids based on my book and they're doing their own research during making an informed decision. Um, and so they will also tell me that all the vaccinated kids in the neighborhood, they're the ones that have all kinds of uh, health problems, ear infections, throat infections, respiratory problems, autism, ADHD, diabetes, you name it. And in the movie Vax 2, a documentary which everybody would, would watch, you can live stream it, uh, first half of that documentary focused in on parents who chose to vaccinate their children. And um, you, you see all the horror stories uh, these parents told of how their kids became autistic or paralyzed or whatever. Heartbreaking things. And one girl had her whole digestive system paralyzed. I never heard of a digestive system being paralyzed before. I didn't know that was possible. Um, but the second half of this documentary, Vax 2, they focused on, on the parents and the kids who chose not to be vaccinated. 
in each case in which the child wasn't vaccinated, healthy, strong, alert, um, rarely ever gets sick. If he did get sick, it would be um, uh, something minor, get over it very quickly. Every parent who didn't vaccinate their child had the exact same story. And in fact, even in cases where you had uh, families where the first child was vaccinated and whatever happened caused the parents not to want to vaccinate the next child or, or children. And you see, in this, even though the families live in, in the same environment, same neighborhood, in the same food, the unvaccinated kids were healthy and fine. The vaccinated kids were ones always getting sick. And so um, uh, it, it confirmed what I'd been seeing for many, many years uh, with vaccinated versus unvaccinated. And now we've gotten more information uh, through looking at, at research material on the difference between vaccinated and unvaccinated kids. And we, all the information coming in now showing, again, unvaccinated kids are healthy. In fact, they are a threat to the whole vaccine program. That's why they want mandatory vaccination for everybody because those kids represents an automatic control group showing that unvaccinated kids do fine. Yes. So if unvaccinated kids can do just fine without a vaccine. Well, then of course there's no need for a vaccine and they don't get to make all those billions of, of, of dollars. That's why they're so afraid of the Amish because the Amish is an easily identifiable group. We know where they are and, and uh, what they're about mm -hmm. and they don't believe in vaccines. Mm -hmm. and, the fact is, up until recently, when they caved into some of the pressure, their kids uh, did not have autism. So we have a group where they don't vaccinate, no autism. And that's a huge contrast to all the parents uh, in mainstream society who do vaccinate and their kids have autism. And the autism rates have been skyrocketing. But didn't and, you also um, have that um, that incident in, I think it was in New York or New Jersey, where there was a, an outbreak of measles, was it, in, in, in a, right. a school? And yeah. <laughs> the, the ones who didn't have any issues with the, the ones who weren't vaccinated and the children who had the measles were actually vaccinated or something, is that correct? Um, I don't remember the details, uh, but what I do know, because I did write about it and I've talked about it a lot, um, Measles is a minor disease. Uh, I mean, most people, uh, most children who get it, uh, all they're gonna have is a fever and a rash for a few days or a week or so, and then they're fine. It's not a death sentence, especially not in a modern society like America, where they have access to more uh, nutritious foods, especially vitamin A and, and you know fruits and vegetables and things. Uh, but they want, oh, measles, uh, and I, my understanding is that in the, uh, I think it was the Hasidic community, they wanted uh, their people to get uh, measles because there's another school of thought that says basically when you get the disease, uh, you will never get it again. There's research backing that up. And so apparently, I mean, Del Bigtree was talking about this. They were deliberately, once uh, their kids, uh, I think it was mostly adults who were getting it in, in that community, uh, as a way to, to ensure against future outbreaks uh, uh, from that disease. I'm a little bit on the wall on that one because from my experience, all the people that I know of who chose not to vaccinate their kids, the kids didn't get measles. And they become adults and they're perfectly fine. I, in fact, I've had to call a bunch of people to ask them the specifics beyond just tell me the kids are healthy. No, I mean, we've made an assumption that a lot of these diseases, what are called childhood diseases, are a necessary part of a child's growth 
And my experience just shows the opposite. The people don't uh, vaccinate, they don't get the measles, they don't get the mumps, they don't get any of that stuff. And they do just fine. And so uh, the different schools of thought on that. And uh, yeah. I don't claim to have the answer, but um, um, I, I do know what, what parents have told me. And the unvaccinated kids are just fine. Yeah, I bet. Okay. okay, I know your time is valuable, so I'm gonna yes. end with this very last one, and I know you, you, it's 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 probably gonna go in. You're gonna need a lot of detail, so you possibly have to go into a, a part two for this. But with what's going on now in this pandemic, um, COVID nineteen eighty four, what is your thoughts? What is your thoughts on this uh, COVID-19? Oh, man, that's a whole number. I'll give you an overview, maybe some teasers. Yes. Uh, It's all BS, okay? There is no COVID-19 out there. Uh, People are not dying from some new mysterious uh, virus. Why do I say that? One, because I've been studying this stuff for many, many years. And uh, two, I recently had, uh, I did an interview with two top scientists on this issue and they both agreed that no purified sample of this virus has ever been obtained. So this strain of the, of the uh, coronavirus, uh, no one has taken this time of uh, purifying it and following coaches postulates, which is the guideline for um, making a determination of whether or not an organism is causing certain conditions. That's never been done. So all of this should have been stopped from square one. You can't skip over the most important part, which is proving that, that a certain virus or a strain of virus exists, and then following the necessary steps to then prove that it's the cause of anything. That has not been done. And they can only get away with it because you know the average person knows nothing about this. Like if I were to ask you or almost anybody in the streets, name the scientists or science team that succeeded in obtaining a purified sample of of this COVID-19, uh, well, it's not really COVID. Well, let's call it COVID-19 virus right now. Who, who succeeded? That should be a very famous person or, or, or a group. Can you name that person? <laughs> no, nobody can. It, nobody's ever, nobody's done it. So, but they've managed, and they've been doing it for decades, to create all this hysteria around something that's never even been proven to exist or to cause anything. That, just, that should be the starting ground for everybody when they're talking about COVID. Who succeeded in isolating this? Who proved that it's, uh, uh, that, that, it's that they followed the steps and coaches postulates to prove that it's a cause of anything? That should be the starting point of any discussion on COVID. Because when you start digging into that area, you realize you've been played. This is one massive international con job. And uh, you go beyond that, uh, the tests are all bogus, the PCR tests, and the uh, antibody tests, even the mainstream media admits the tests are no good. That, that um, 80% false positive, 89% false positive, and I would argue it's 100% false positive uh, because you don't have the virus and what are you measuring it against? What's the standard they're using to v- validate that test? Well, none, because you don't have the virus, so you can't yeah. measure, you can't say if your test is 20% accurate, 50% accurate, 90% accurate if you don't have the virus. And uh, on, on top of that, I mean, the FDA have allowed, allowed these tests to come on the market without uh, actual FDA approval. They lowered the standards. In fact, I was reading one article in which uh, the FDA doesn't even know what standards to use 
for uh, uh, these tests. And a lot of tests coming from China have been sent back because they're so faulty. In fact, the president of China, I believe, has a, a medical background. He had suspicions about these tests, and so he applied the test to uh, uh, a, uh, a fruit and to a goat. And in both cases, the test came out positive. I'm like, that's why Tanzania is throwing out all the tests uh, for, for the stuff, because he knows it's, it's bogus. And didn't, so, he, didn't he also test motor oil as well? <laughs> I think he tested, he tested a variety of things. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's ludicrous. And so um, we're talking about everybody's in a panic over a virus. Nobody's proven to exist or proven to cause anything. A test that's worthless. Like you hear all these numbers of all these people who contracted uh, coronavirus and, uh, and who's uh, died. What are they basing that on? If you don't have reliable tests, what 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 is what is these what are these numbers coming from? And in fact, they're just pulling numbers out of thin air. And uh, uh, in, in the hospitals, uh, the doctors have actually been given the guideline um, from the, at least the CDC uh, on falsifying death certificates, where they can claim somebody died of uh, COVID-19, even though they had pre-existing life-threatening conditions like. It was a case uh, of a person uh, who had uh, severe cancer and he's only been given like five weeks to die. And when he uh, when he did die, they labeled it as a COVID death. I mean, <laughs> that falls in line with the liberal approach to mortality regarding COVID-19 as stated. Right. So basically to inflate the numbers that doctors have been given the green light to uh, call everything COVID-19 essentially. Uh, Del Bigtree broke this story in one of his uh, episodes of The High Wire. And, and in their own documents, they, they say, look, if you just believe somebody may have had uh, COVID when they died, uh, you can list that as, uh, as a COVID death. And don't worry, we're not likely to do any type of uh, uh, review of, of your documents. So basically, yeah, you, you can lie and don't worry, we're not going to check up on you. And that's how they managed to inflate all these numbers. Yes. They falsified death certificates. Yes. And New York, what did our brilliant Governor Cuomo do? Uh, Cuomo, the dictator, he takes people <laughs> sick with respiratory problems. I don't even want to call it COVID patients. I said they got various forms of respiratory problems and put them in the nursing homes. That was a formula for disaster. You don't put people with severe, I mean, serious uh, respiratory problems into an environment with people who have a compromised immune system, they're already elderly, and they're sick with a lot of other things. So thousands of our parents and grandparents died because Cuomo, the dictator in New York, wanted to inflate the death numbers for his buddies who's financing him. Um, and he's taken his oaths and um, allegiances too. Uh, so we have the doctors lying about the statistics on, on the death certificates. We, we got governors who are doing things to inflate the numbers. Uh, and uh, the bottom line, we have a test that's worthless. So the reality is, I think people who've taken time to look into, oh, I should mention one other thing. Uh, our great Cuomo, the dictator, put out a guideline that uh, EM, EMF uh, uh, ambulance services, that somebody dies with a heart attack, whatever, they're not supposed to try to revive them. Uh, how is that not murder? Uh, how I, I don't understand. Why is he not in jail? Um, so these people, they are going out of their way to inflate the number of deaths. And in fact, I think people really take the time to look at the, the picture 
and consider all these variables, there's no way of knowing who has what. I mean, even if there was a, a COVID virus out there, which there isn't, there's nothing out there. Um, if there was, uh, how would you know who has what? How, how, what would you be able to base the numbers on if you don't have the virus, you don't have a reliable test, you have uh, doctors being told to lie on the death certificates, hospitals being given uh, financial incentives to uh, lie about the number of COVID patients. Yes, I mean, the hospitals get $13,000 for each patient that they label as COVID. So if you go in there with a cough, just a regular cough, they're gonna label it as COVID. If you go in with a broken leg, they're gonna uh, label it as COVID because they get a $13,000 check for doing so. In fact, there's one nurse online who was, took a hidden camera into her hospital. I think it's, well, it's Brook Hospital in Brooklyn. You can look it up. And uh, she showed on the records how individuals in the hospital who uh, had tested negative for COVID-19 uh, were still written up as COVID positive. I mean, direct falsification of the reports. She even said that when people were coming to hospitals because they're stressed out over things that are happening, they're being told that they need to go on ventilators uh, or they're going to die. You know, people who are already nervous to the point that they're going to a hospital. That's crazy. Along with whatever they're told. And uh, the ventilators are a death sentence. I believe the number like 80, 90% of the people who go on ventilators die. But the hospital would get a nice fat check of 39000 So between the $13,000 check they get for labeling somebody COVID, another uh, almost $40,000 check, they're walking away with like over $50,000 in profit for doing nothing other than lying on some documents. Uh, I really hope that there's going to be a, a, at some point an investigation of all these hospitals and their practices with these COVID-19 uh, mislabelings. Uh, I mean, somebody uh, needs to be going to jail for a long time. And uh, so what I think about all this, I mean, it's one massive hoax. And I'm stunned that so many people are falling for it. Even the people wearing these stupid face masks. <laughs> and people going brain dead all the same time. I mean, I think the dumbing down process has worked to a large degree. I mean, the box that they buy the face mask and will say on the outside or they have an inside label saying, this will not protect you from a virus. Yeah. This will not protect you from COVID-19. And they buy it anyway. I'm like, stupid. I mean, please explain your logic. They're telling you it doesn't work. Viruses are too small. It's like a fly going through an open window. So yeah. why would you still buy it? Why would you still wear it? I mean, I can even see an argument, well, I need to go into a store. But the same people who say that, you see them walking up and down the street yes. with their face mask on. In the cars, right. driving. Well, if you know it's not working, why? Well, in the store, I was at a park. A woman was walking in the park with a baby in a stroller. Both her and the baby had mask on. And she talked to me for a little bit and said, well, I know they really don't worry, they're not good, but it's only to get into the store. But miss, we're in the park, <laughs> not getting into, and she would pull it down for a second and then she would pull it right back up. I, I mean, it's like a reflex response now yeah. but that people put these things on. So they don't work. And on top of that, they, uh, they're they actually very, very uh, harmful because they are causing you to breathe back in uh, some of your own carbon dioxide, exactly. which is bad. So your blood supply is building up uh, uh, excess carbon dioxide, which is a poison. And uh, it also reduces your intake of oxygen by like 20%. I saw one report just recently when they were running a test. I mean, one uh, person, I don't know, I mean, a couple of people in that test 
where it reduced their oxygen level by uh, down to 70%, of the, so a 30% lower instead of 20%. So you have a situation where people's blood supply is taking an excess carbon dioxide and reducing their oxygen intake. That's a formula for disaster. And, and then you, you wonder why some people are dropping dead. Uh, you know, some people that go running and uh, all that excess carbon dioxide, lack of oxygen, that's too much strain on the, on the heart, lungs and everything. And they've dropped dead, literally, as they're, as they're jogging. Others have uh, not died, but their lungs collapsed and they have to be rushed to emergency rooms. People have fainted uh, while driving their cars yes. and car accidents. These are just the ones we know about. Mm-hmm. Plus people developing face rashes uh, because um, the, when you breathe into the mask, that, that whole mask environment creates a warm, mar- moist, dark environment. That's the ideal breeding ground for, this, for germs. Yes. So if you, if you think about your foot, for example, a lot of people develop foot fungus. And that's because inside you, when you put your foot in your shoe, that's a warm, moist, dark environment. And uh, that's the breeding ground. It's like party time for all the germs. So when you're exhaling, yes, some of your mucus is getting into that mask. Some of your saliva is getting into that mask. And all that and all the other germs, they're like, it's party time. Yay, it's dark, it's warm, it's wet. Oh, boy. So they're multiplying like crazy. And then that's why people are getting rashes around their face. And you're breathing in all those uh, excess germs back into your body and, and the implications for your immune system is not good. So people are poisoning themselves. And I hate to see the condition of uh, people six months to a year from now. I think you're going to see a lot of sick people, a lot of unnecessary deaths because they're wearing these masks. The immune system is becoming weaker. Um, it, it's not good. And I also say that uh, the people who wear face masks worry me the most because I think they're going to be the first ones to die. And I say that because if they're so naive that they're going to wear a mask uh, that that uh, it says on the box that it doesn't work, they're going to be naive enough to be the first <laughs> ones in line to take those stupid vaccines. Yeah. And then you're going to see the, the death toll. I mean, you heard Gates make predictions about millions of people are uh, going to be dying. Yeah. While they were the ones who are with the face mask, they'll be lining up you know, the next day uh, to get these vaccines. And yeah, they're gonna die and they're gonna suffer horribly before their deaths. Uh, so, I mean, I wanted to make something quick with a response, but it, you know, it's a big topic. But I think I might as well touch on the social distancing. Stop social distancing, it's stupid. Please, don't reveal your ignorance it's because there's a lot of people out there who know the truth and you just make yourself look stupid. Uh, where's the scientific study showing that uh, six feet is going to save you from a virus. Isn't it 23, with, with, with 23 foot uh, a, sneeze, a, a sneeze or a cough can travel? Yeah, pro- I mean, I probably have heard something similar to that. Yeah, but I mean, there's no scientific study. There's no air sample studies. I invite anybody to find any air sample studies in either major cities anywhere showing that the air is saturated with uh, a COVID-19 virus. I mean, show me those things. They've never produced any such air studies, but they got you believing that there's something in the air and you got to wear your mask every place you go. And there's no long-term studies on the uh, uh, harm that this is going to do to a person's immune system overlooking. They're not meant to be worn that way. They're mainly meant for doctors engaged in surgery 
Uh, so make sure they don't uh, sneeze or cough while they're engaged in surgery and that getting inside the person. They were not meant to be worn up and down the streets uh, uh, day after day. And then, you know, it gets to me, what well, makes me laugh, I guess, internally, are the people who uh, wear the mask, you see them walking down the street so proudly with their egos <laughs> and acting like they have some kind of special air purifier or something. But then they see somebody without a mask walking towards them. They go into a panic. Yeah. I'm like, they clench up or cross your oh, Wait a minute. If your mask is protecting you, why are you worrying about the unmasked person? Either you believe your mask works or it doesn't. And I think most people don't even make the, the connection that there's a contradiction. If they're wearing a mask that they truly believe protects them, but they're terrified of somebody walking past them without a mask. I mean, so yeah, I mean, the, uh, if, there are things that are in the works, serious things between um, um, uh, social, I mean, uh, the uh, contact tracing, they got an army of contact tracers being traded all across the country in tens of thousands, which means they'll be knocking at your doors, demanding that you get tested. And since the tests are worthless, a lot of people are going to test positive. And when they test positive, they're going to snatch you or your kids or your wife or all of you from your home and put you into FEMA quarantine camps. And God knows what's gonna to happen to you at that point. And then they're gonna mandate you get vaccinated. And, you know, again, God helps those who uh, get those vaccines. And so uh, all of that, all these other plans, that there's no secret, they make it very clear what they're planning on doing and are in the works of doing, all of that could be stopped overnight, in my belief, if everybody took off those stupid masks and said hell no to the social distancing because by people wearing masks and engaging in social distancing that's telling the ultra elite we got them yeah it's working They're so brainwashed it's working mm. we can go to the next phase yeah but if they take off the mask and they refuse to social distance and they the store owners uh have the guts to keep their stores open let people come and sit down and enjoy life and end the fear they can't do it they only can do it if they can create an atmosphere of fear. And that's what the face masks do. The face mask turns each individual into a walking billboard for fear. You're reinforcing there's something in the air, there's something can kill us, be afraid. You gotta be afraid of each other. That is what they want. That's how divide and conquer works. So if you wanna stop what's going on, take off those stupid worthless masks that are slowly killing you, and pronounce your freedom and your desire to breathe in fresh air, not polluted, nasty concoctions that you're breathing in all those germs and stuff from those face masks. Get rid of the mask, ignore the uh, the social distancing because it's stupid. They've not provided any uh, controlled scientific studies to support it. It's just part of the overall charade that they're engaging in. And they're planning on making trillions of dollars off of these tests that they want to get you to do and off the vaccines. So to stop that, people need to wake up, start thinking, start researching. I've given enough information to provide routes for people to look into and insert, assert your independence. Tell the elite, let them know, no, we're not that stupid. We're awake and we're not going to, uh, uh, we're not going to go down without a fight and we're not going to be your walking billboards of fear. No more masks, no more social distancing. People got to get mad. When they go to these demonstrations, they need to get mad. You see how the uh, 
Black Lives Matter, even though I have some problems with some of the things that's going on with that. I don't know how he is. Uh, they brought a certain energy. I'm not yeah. advocating violence, mm -hmm. but we need the energy. We need the ongoing demonstrations across the country against this lockdown. Across the world, Curtis. Across the world. Against this lockdown, against all the things they're planning. Uh, so take off the mask, stop the social distancing, hug your, your, your neighbor, your family members, have parties, just say no. They want you to live in fear. They can't arrest 360 uh, plus million Americans. They can't arrest everybody. They're gonna eventually have to back off and say, no, we can't do this now. Uh, so those are some of my thoughts. Perfect, honors, honors. It's been a, a, a excellent bill. Thank you very much for imparting all of that excellent information. Very lastly, I will provide um, full links to your book, but where can people get in contact with you? Are you on any social medias or anything? Uh, well, they can send me an email through uh, my website, and if you could post it up with your yes, uh, yeah, it's simply www.vaccinesaredangerous.com. www.vaccinesaredangerous.com, or sometimes you can also read some people have troubles with that. A few people do. Uh, www.vaccinesaredangerous.blog, B-L-O-G, spot.com, S-P-O-T. So www.vaccinesaredangerous.blog, B-L-O-G, spot, S-P-O-T, dot com. And they can get to my website. They can order a copy of my book. All that information, again, is right inside this book and a whole lot more. Trust me, this is what I presented here is only the tip of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. And uh, they'll, it'll, this book will change your life. It's changed many people's lives. So you can order a copy of the book and all books I order that, that order from my website. I autograph them and I date them. Do not order my book from Amazon. They're censoring right now. And um, they got people on there who I've never sold any books to that are selling my book for $100 or more. So do not order my book from Amazon. Only order it from uh, my website. And um, it's much cheaper. There's nowhere near that kind of crazy price. <laughs> I was uh, just going to ask you about that, whether they should go to your website directly or Amazon. Thanks for, yeah, for clearing that up. my website. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I'm planning on suing them. There's so many things I'm dealing with at the same time, but in any Indeed. event. Yes. Thank you for uh, having me on. I greatly appreciate it. And yet, like, send me a link for the show. Oh, of course, sibling. As soon as it's done, yeah, the link will be in your inbox, most definitely. On us again. Thank you. Likewise. Take care. Take care. For taking the time to tune into CFR Network. If you enjoyed the content, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, and if you ain't already, most definitely share. If you'd like to go that step further and to support the broadcast, go over to sbmentality.com and go get yourself some merch. And also go check out my sponsor over at Instagram, Supreme of the UK. Thank you for your continued support.